two things that I want to acknowledge before we get into the story. One is that, um, just a trigger warning, that this is a story that involves um, homophobia, bullying, and some pretty serious physical violence. So if, yeah, if that's going to bring up anything for you, if you're listening with young or vulnerable listeners, just sort of keep that in mind and do whatever you need to do to keep yourself safe as you kind of navigate this conversation. The second thing to acknowledge is this is a story that doesn't really make Lewis sound that great in some, in some parts of the stories. And so two things for that. One is to acknowledge the difficulty of actually saying what you did when you fucked up, like to really go after that and say, I really did the wrong thing here. And here's what I did. That's difficult. That's, that's courageous. And so I want to honor Lewis for doing that. And I also just really want to acknowledge that that's, this is not where the story ends. And this is not where the story ends for anybody, whether it's Lewis or anybody else in this story or anywhere else around you. Like the story, nobody's beginning and ending is violence. And part of the reason that Lewis is committed to sharing the story right now is, to, is just basically to be part of change and changing that experience of violence for anybody else. What what am I going to say to begin with? I thought that was just what you were writing down. I know. I have that in general, but like the very first thing to say. Once upon a time. <laughs> I guess welcome back to the story with, with myself and Lewis. This is episode two in a four-part series. So if you haven't listened to the first episode, I really recommend that you go back to yeah, season three, episode one, which is where the story begins. In the first episode, we talked about Lewis's arrival into a new school in December. Not easy to arrive in a new place at age 11, halfway through the school year. And so we talked about how he had initially planned on not talking to anybody and just sort of keeping his head, head down. But how over the span of the first couple of weeks of his time at that school, he had found his way into a really fun and meaningful friendship with another boy who had reached out to him and they struck up a friendship and ended up with Lewis being part of this group of peers that would really make the year not pass so badly after all. And Lewis, for the record, loves, you've probably gotten a sense of this, but he loves to make people laugh. He's inquisitive, he's thoughtful, he's creative. And, you know, and his group of friends were fun-loving. There was a bit of like an us versus the word mentality, but in a way that was video games and skateboards. I guess alongside all of that, they would also sometimes take things too far, which is where we're going to pick up the story. Last time we were recording, you said there was a kid who was different from you. And that's where you kind of started to question how far were you really willing to go? So yeah, why don't you pick up the story there? I was muted. (laughs) So after I made friends with the four guys that I was talking about before, Everything was going good, but there was this one kid, his name was Matthew, and he started, he was a lot different than us, so we started kind of calling him a lot of different names, like fag and gay, 
and stuff like that. And we would talk behind his back when he couldn't hear us. And, you know, it was a lot of that that was going on. And sometimes we would kind of spit on him or something like that. And I thought it was funny at first, you know, how we were doing that. But eventually, I guess he got tired of it and he told on us. And we ended up having to go go to the office. And she said what the other kid said, Matthew. And she, you know, told us the rules. And it was like a zero tolerance thing for bullying. And we were supposed to write him an apology letter. And she said, next time it happened, we would be suspended. So I know I felt kind of bad. So I went ahead and wrote the letter. But a couple of the other guys did not write the letter at all. And they ended up actually getting suspended. And one of my friends, Joseph, he said he wanted to get back at the kid because he didn't want to. He hated getting suspended because he got in a lot of trouble with his family. So he said he wanted to get him back. So, you know, we were walking around. We're all kind of in the same neighborhood. So we were walking around. And we saw him and his best friend there. And... We started asking them, you know, why did you tell on us? And he didn't say anything. So my friend started pushing him. And another guy actually punched him. So his friend got mad. And, you know, I was kind of in the way, I guess. And I was saying a lot of things I shouldn't have said. So his friend punched me, and we all kind of got into a big fight. And the one kid, Matthew, that we were making fun of first, he he got hurt more than the other kid. And after that, he told on us again. Can you tell me a little bit more about um, and you don't really have to get into like it's as much detail as you want, but I like really can't imagine. I can't imagine you saying hurtful stuff if I'm being honest. And so, if you want to help me imagine that, you can. Or if you'd rather that I don't, then you don't need to. You know, I was saying stuff like he was gay, and stitches get stitches and stuff, but. I was being a really big jerk, I'll be honest. And the reason I was being a jerk is because I wanted my friends to like me more. So that's why I was doing it. And I wanted to act kind of tough. But I didn't like getting punched. That was not good. Yeah, so what did that what did that feel like? It felt like getting punched in the face. It hurt. I started to kind of feel bad after that. It's like, well, I mean, I really don't want to be doing what I'm doing, but I'm doing it because, like I said before, I want people to like me. I wanted my friends to like me. 
Yeah, and we know how much that friendship really means to you at that point. Yeah, it meant a lot. So it went from, you think it's funny because it's not that big of a deal to, okay, I don't like this because people are actually getting hurt, but I'm still not going to change the way I'm acting because these friends mean too much to me. Yeah, exactly. And then you got told on again. Yeah, we got told on again. And my teacher said, you know, we would have got suspended. But since this was not at school, we really couldn't get much trouble for it. But they did call our parents and they let our parents know, you know, what was going on. Can I ask one one quick thing about that? Telling the parents, at least for, and maybe we'll cut this out afterwards, but like it occurs to me that telling the parents of some of these guys actually does result in some pretty serious consequences. Yeah, it does. I mean, for me, it wasn't too bad, but I did have a friend in the group that we were hanging out with that got in, well, his parents weren't the best people in the world. And he got in some really serious trouble. So, I mean, that was not good for him. You know, and another guy got grounded. So it wasn't just telling parents. There was some consequences at home, too. Yeah. And for anybody listening to this, thinking, oh, well, the parents should be providing consequences. Like what me and Lewis are talking about is like beyond the scope of what parent, how parents should, should be treating their children. Do you think that, and okay. And my other question about that is, do you think that like, <laughs> is the teacher aware of it at all? Like the, of the consequences of, of being like, I'm going to call home. No, I don't think they think about it. They just decide, you know, we have to call their parents, but they don't realize that some parents aren't very good parents at all. It's not just like, I guess the, I guess what I'm thinking about is like the retaliation that follows isn't just you, you told on us, so we want to get you back. It's like, you've actually really caused me to get hurt and, and that needs to be accounted for, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And do you think that factored into like how they responded? Yeah, I think that was a big factor, especially for my friend Joseph. He was, um, he was the one that wanted to get back at them. You know, so it was his idea. And he was probably the one that got hurt the most. Okay, so I kind of interrupted the story with some of those questions. So what were you going to say next? So we knew that this kid, Matthew, he liked to barbecue a lot. So we were going to find him alone because we didn't like it when his friend was with us, you know, the first time because he was a pretty good fighter. And I mean, he 
we knew he could hurt us. So we wanted to find him alone. So he was cooking out on a grill like he usually does. And we found him alone. And he didn't hear us coming, so we snuck up behind him. And my friend knocked him down. And they were kicking him. I mean, they were kicking him really hard, like in the head and in the back. And the kid, you know, it was so bad. He was making some noises. And we were actually kind of laughing at him because the noises sounded weird, I guess. And he was gasping for air. And I, I got really scared. Because I thought, well, we're going to hurt him really bad. And I didn't want to hurt him, you know, like that. The name calling and stuff wasn't so bad. But, you know, for a kid to be gasping for air and stuff, that was really worrying for me. So I told my friends to stop. You know, I actually stepped in front of one of them. And um, I was getting kind of upset and I started crying you know I got really scared and I was like holy fucking hell and I started crying and my friends you know they they started laughing at me because I was crying and they called me a pussy and stuff so that really sucked and I just stepped back and they continued to do what they were doing and outside of the apartment Um, There was a guy that came up, and he was like, what are you guys doing? You need to go away. So we all ran off, and I felt bad for just leaving him there because, I mean, he was hurt really bad, and I don't even think he was awake. But we all ran off, and later I found out that He actually, um, we actually broke his ribs. So. Okay, so what are the, so what's the feeling when you go to put your body in front of his and say, he's had enough? Like, what, what are you feeling in that moment? I was so scared. I didn't know what was going to happen to Matthew. I thought like for a minute there, I thought, well, they're going to kill him or something. Because they just kept kicking him and kicking him. And he closed his eyes and he just stopped fighting. And I didn't know if he was passed out or what happened. And, you know, I kind of thought, well, maybe we almost did kill him or something. And then what? So you're crying because of how scared you are? Yeah, I was crying because I was so scared and I felt so bad and I did not want to hurt someone like that. And then what about getting called a pussy by your friends? Yeah, it was just shocking because I thought I knew they were my friends and I thought they would kind of have my back, but they didn't. You know, as soon as I started to cry they kind of turned their back on me. It hurt. And then what, so then what happened next? 
I was getting really upset after that. I actually found out later by a friend that Matthew tried to kill himself after that. So, I mean, that made me feel really guilty. And I couldn't eat anything. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't do anything. That's when I started talking to you. And, you know, you started telling me about Matthew and a little bit about what was going on. I really remember who it was. I think it was you. Yeah. You were probably trying to make me feel bad, which I deserved it. I mean, I thought I deserved what he got. You know, I wanted someone to do that to me. Really? Yeah. It was that bad. Wait, wait, so you felt... Okay, I mean, I guess I'll say this and you'll just be like, yep. But you felt so badly about what you'd done and about who you'd become, I guess, that you... What you thought you deserved was to be like knocked to the ground and kicked to shit. Yep, that's what I deserved. Even as badly, like you know, you've seen firsthand how much that hurts. Yeah. And you know how much a single punch to the face hurts. Yeah. I mean, the kid that we did that to did not deserve that at all. I mean, he didn't even do anything wrong. So why should he go through that and me not? Yeah. Well, I I mean, I'll acknowledge that's a powerful feeling and I think it's a, it's like a, a good way of understanding how badly you felt. I will say that I don't think anybody ever deserves, deserves that no matter what they've done. Yeah. I think I know that now. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. I'm really I'm really glad that I started talking to you because if I didn't, I think I probably would have continued to hang out with them. So I'm really glad I met you. Me too. So I decided, you know, I don't want to be their friends anymore. I don't want to hang out with them. And I was going to try to actually be friends with Matthew and his friend, you know, his best friend that he had. So instead of the friends that I was hanging out with before, I wanted to be friends with Matthew. That'll be where we we stop the story for now. Because next next recording session, we're going to pick up the story about um, about that transition that you sought to make. And 
we'll talk about the feel like uh, we'll uh, hopefully talk a lot about the feelings because I know that was a really difficult and sort of tumultuous time and also just sort of exactly you know what happened as you tried to make things right yeah okay Okay, well, I have one more. I have one more question. One thing I kind of wanted to ask you about is you mentioned zero tolerance, and I don't know if you know this, but well, I guess you must know this firsthand. That's for a long time been like an official policy of the school system is that we have a zero tolerance policy for bullying. We have a zero tolerance policy for like a lot of stuff, you know, drugs, um, other forms of misbehavior nothing else is really coming to mind but you get the idea zero tolerance and it also seems like you've seen firsthand how that didn't work can you tell me a little bit more about why it didn't work i think zero tolerance is bullshit i mean they say that but they don't mean it i mean a lot of times when you go to them because i've been um picked on before and I've told on people for, you know, bullying me. And you tell them, and they don't change anything. I mean, nothing really happens. So the whole thing that they say zero, to, zero tolerance is just a lie. They don't really want to help anybody. They just... I don't even know why they have that policy, because... They do nothing. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Then can you think of anything that would actually make a difference? I think if they, you know, talk to the kids more instead of just saying, hey, this happened and I'm going to call your parents or something. If they actually took the time to talk to the people and figure out why they're doing what they're doing and try to help them through it and try to help the kids get along instead of, you know, just suspending someone or giving them detention or calling parents, that would make a big difference. Do you remember in the introduction where I said you are, what did I say? When I, when I said you're inquisitive and thoughtful and creative. Yeah, I remember that. Okay, so this is, this is the proof because what you're talking about is called restorative justice. And sometimes it's presented like an idealistic, complex, um, I don't know what to say about it, but sometimes it's presented as like this really far off distant possibility. And... I guess what comes to mind is if an 11-year-old can figure it out, you'd think the echelons of the educational system could put something like that together. Or maybe you should become Premier of Ontario. Yeah, I think I would do a good job at it. Me too. My name is Jonathan. My name is Lewis. And you're listening to Breaking the Boy Code. This podcast is supported by Next Gen Men. One of the things that I'm privileged to be able to do with Next Gen Men is be part of both designing and facilitating restorative circles in schools. 
Exactly what Lewis was talking about is the transformation that is so badly needed in our education system, and that's the transformation that Next Gen Men is part of. If you believe in, yeah, if you believe in the voices of young people, if you believe that justice can be done better, please consider supporting the work that we do both in schools and also with this podcast by becoming a Next Gen member at nextgenmen.ca slash join. You can reach out to me at breakingtheboycode at gmail.com or at boypodcast. Or <laughs> One more time. You can reach out to me at breakingtheboycode at gmail.com or at boypodcast on social media. Um, Lewis. Yeah? I love you. I love you too. You know what though what like if you would have been one of my teachers at that time then none of that would have happened yeah maybe i didn't mean to say that on the recording i was just saying it no i i kind of hear what you're saying and i guess that's kind of my hope for doing this project together is that literally if one teacher listens to this and then they're like huh Maybe I'll do things a little bit differently. Then, you know, between you and me, we could make a really significant change in somebody's life. Fabuloso.